This is the Unpacking It podcast, where we interview intriguing guests about sports, faith, and life, and unpack their stories and journeys. And today, we've got a great guest. His name is Tim Worley. It's a story of redemption. It's a story about hitting rock bottom, drugs and alcohol, being a top draft pick. I think you'll enjoy it a lot today. Uh, If you've missed any of our previous podcasts, check them out in all the different podcast directories. And if you'll leave comments, whether it's in iTunes or wherever you're listening, that would be really appreciated. Uh, You can also support our show financially by becoming a monthly supporter. Just go to unpackingit.com. While you're there, you can sign up to receive the weekday email devotional blog that we call Unpack This. And it's a quick thought about sports, faith, and life, and and hopefully something that can encourage and challenge you each weekday. So uh, appreciate the support there. Stick around at the end of the interview. I'll comment on on a few of of the things that Tim said today. And, And so look forward to sharing that with you. But let's jump right in. Our guest today was selected seventh overall in the 1989 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers after a very successful career at Georgia. He was the first person in Steelers history to receive a $1 million signing bonus. In 2007, he was inducted into the Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame. His NFL career spanned from 1989 to 1994 with the Steelers and the Bears. He had his struggles on and off the field, and at one point he hit rock bottom, but he's got a story of redemption. Now he is the co-founder of Worley Global Enterprises with his wife, Dee, and he travels the country as a motivational speaker and life skills consultant to many athletes and organizations. We are in for a treat today as we welcome on Tim Worley to share his story on Unpacking It. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Good morning, Brother Bryce. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me on. All right. Well, 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 I'm excited about it. And, and really, we're, we're just going to jump right into your story and, and want to, to kind of begin, I guess, when, when you were young. But, but how important were, were sports to you? And, and what was it like being the star football player growing up? Well, um, born and raised in Lumberton, North Carolina, about three hours east of uh, Charlotte. Um, in my community, all we had was sports. Mm. Uh, I was pretty much raised in a country part of a North Carolina, raised by my uh, my parents, uh, James and Nettie Worley. They're still still married today, 55 years. Wow. And my, I came from a background of uh, sports on both sides of my dad and my mother's family. And um, that's all we had, man. Uh, I mean, it was it was a, a great thing back in the day where the communities got together, whether, whether we were playing basketball, football, baseball, whatever the case may be. You know, all the families got together. But uh, I came from a group of athletes, man. I, I'm the one that happened to, to make it. Mm. But I came from, from some athletes, man, guys you never heard of that I thought were incredible athletes. So I have that history in me. And so there you are. You're growing up. You, you stand out, and you end up deciding to go to Georgia. And, and what was maybe the, the best part of playing football at Georgia in the late 80s, and, and how did you end up deciding to go there? Well, I'll go with how I ended up deciding to go there. First of all, uh, back in 1984, when I was actually setting up my, uh, we had five back then. I don't know what they have now, but in this order, it was the University of Oklahoma, Clemson, Florida State, Georgia, 
and ten, the Tennessee Volunteers. Mm. And Georgia was actually fourth on the list. And I don't know how I ended up at Georgia, but now I, I know it was a God thing. Mm. But I had my eyes set on the University of Oklahoma. And uh, when Oklahoma, Barry Switzer and, and Jim Donnan at the time was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, came to present their university to my family, uh, one of the things we both love, we all love the school, but one of the things that happened, uh, Mr. Switzer, he was tapping my mother's glass coffee table with his boots <laughs> the whole time that she, he was he was presenting to University of Oklahoma. And after he left, my mother said, you're not going to Oklahoma. That oh. man's disrespectful. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, something is, 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 is maybe small, but not to her. Right. Oh. And so what happened, Bryce, is uh, Jim Donnan, who was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, which eventually came the head coach at Georgia in the middle 90s, he he was very upset that I decided not to go. And so he pulled me to the side uh, probably about a week later. And he said, if I was going to go to school anywhere, he said the University of Georgia would be a perfect fit for me. So I took his advice hmm. and I chose Georgia and I have no regrets and was able to to uh, have an outstanding career with the short time that I played at Georgia. And it was a lot of fun playing for uh, the legendary Vince Dooley. Awesome, man. Well, and, and now as you look back, what was it like playing in college where – the, the, the money wasn't, you weren't playing for money, you were playing for your school, there, there wasn't the, the professional side of things, you're in college and you're a, you're a student athlete. How, how different was that compared to then, and we'll get to kind of your, your NFL story, but just at that time? Well, at that time, uh, there was a time when, when uh, uh, the next level of whatever we were doing, especially as athletes, was a mystery. Mm. The next level from junior high to high school was a mis- uh, mystery because when I was in elementary school and junior high school, I looked up to the high school football players. I thought they were stars, man, yeah. you know, and then and then, you know, it's, it's like uh, back then that next level from high school to college was an amazing jump. Because I looked up to the guys, and today I think I think we're so desensitized that we don't even know when we're in the presence of greatness. Mm. And so there's a bunch of kids you see today, they can be around guys, Hall of Famers guys that, that played in the league or whatever, and they have something to offer, but they don't see it that way because we have, we're, we're open to everything now. Hmm. There's no privacy. There's no mystery to anything. Hmm. But for me, next level was like an honor. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the first thing that I was thinking, Bryce, when I went to the University of Georgia, I looked Coach Julie in the eye every move that he'd make. I was wanting to make sure that I was presentable and orderly. And I told myself, you know what? I'm not going to be the next Herschel Walker. I'm going to be the next great Tim Worley. That's what I was telling myself. But Herschel Walker, I I have to give credit to him. He set the standard. Mm. He set the bar high. And you can see from the history after that, all the great running backs that came after Herschel Walker, even the guys before Herschel with Willie McClendon, Charlie Trippy, and all those guys, mm. just an amazing university for football, especially the tailback. Tim Worley, our guest right now on Unpacking It, former NFL running back and running back at Georgia. And, and so after a, a, a great experience and, and success at Georgia, you end up getting drafted in the NFL. Seventh overall, 1989, by the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the great organizations back then, and they still are today. So, so take me into the, this experience, and this is really where where the story 
you know, picks up and gets interesting. What was the weight and pressure like now that you've been drafted high and you've been given all that money, a million dollar signing bonus? Okay. First of all, uh, I, I got to tell you, dreams do come true. And that's why I try to encourage people today that they do. Yeah. And uh, uh, my dream came true because when I was 10 years old, the Pittsburgh Steelers was my favorite NFL football team in the whole wide world. Oh, wide wow. world. And Mean Joe Green and was my mother's favorite uh, football player. Um, all those guys, Lynn Swan, uh, uh, Jackie, uh, I mean, uh, Jack Lambert, Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw, John Stallworth, all those guys, oh, man. Legends. Just that, just that whole area. It was a blue-collar city. So when the time came, Bryce, when, when, when I was supposed to get drafted, um, it was amazing. Mm. I found out the night before that uh, I was going to be picked by the Steelers. Mm. And, and I, I, can't, I can't express to you what I felt. It was just an unbelievable feeling. But at the same time, it terrified me. Yeah. Because, okay, here we go. Now I'm leaving a university where I was in a program. Now I'm about to step into an organization, a professional organization where I'm an employee mm. and they're, they're, they're investing millions of dollars into me and they're looking for a return on their investment. So basically the draft was one thing. When I got drafted, it was very excited, family, friends, everything. Oh, yeah. But after it was over, it was time for business, the negotiation and all that. And once I finally signed my contract, that's when it really hit me. Ooh. Because I'll never, I'll never forget, Bryce, I was living in California with my agent and all the people that I had hired to do some of the things for me while I was playing football. And, and um, I held out a camp. I was in camp probably for a week. Oh. And... Um, and uh, I remember being in California, just finished working out. Federal Express showed up to the house that I was staying at, and they had a package for me, and it was a contract. Mm. And it was a contract in it for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And behind that contract, taped to the contract, check in there for $1 million with the name Tim Worley on it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. Uh, I'm 22 years old. Holy and you cow. can imagine what I'm thinking. But, you know, it wasn't a, it was, I was joyful and happy, but it wasn't a jump physically for joy. I was, I said to myself, Oh my God. Uh Oh, uh, okay. They're expecting a lot out of me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I, I started thinking that way. So I started to realize and feel the pressure and the weight yes. uh, that was on my life to come in and change the game at the running back position and help the team win games, you know, at 22 years old. So I took on that responsibility. Yep. And then as you've seen along in my career, I began to crumble mm. with that heavy weight of responsibility. Wow. And Okay. So let, we'll, we'll pause at this moment in your life. What was your, your faith like? What was your view of God at, at this stage? Okay. Um, I grew up in the church, gave my life to the Lord when I was about 11 years old. Okay. And, but I didn't, I didn't live for the Lord, didn't have a relationship, Bryce. I just knew of the Lord. I have a reverent fear of God, yep. you know, and, and, and like we all say, man, I just, there's some, some things I'm just not going to do. You know, that's how I was thinking, but I didn't serve Jesus and walk with Jesus like I walk with him today. Mm. And and even in through all the things that I was doing, every once in a while, I would go to church. And it's amazing, Bryson, you know, that when you belong to God, he's going to always have somebody around, no matter where you go, <laughs> an agent of his that's going to try to invite you to say, hey, Tim, 
come to Bible study with us, man. We, we're going to get together. Hey, Tim, do this, do it. And you know what? I was, I was just too, too busy. I was just caught up in the world, enjoying the money that I earned, enjoying the things that I bought, and uh, uh, really living a lie, believing the things that the world said would bring me happiness. Mm. And in the end, Bryce, it almost destroyed my life. Tim Worley, our guest right now on Unpacking It. It's a story of redemption. And, and so in the story at, at the moment, we're, we're, we're talking about being in the NFL, a young player. And, and, and I saw the, the, the words, you, you hit the sabotage button over and over. And, and so you're dealing with the pressure. You're, you're trying to live up to the hype. You're, you're a top draft pick. What did that mean that, that you're hitting the sabotage button over and over? Basically, what that meant is I'm telling them in so many ways, yes, I'm your first-round pick. Yes, you just gave me millions of dollars, but don't expect too much from me off the field. Ah. Okay? Yep. That's what, I, that's what hitting the sabotage button was because, number one, I, and I tell people today all the time, I never realized, Bryce, the platform that I was given. Yeah. And I didn't realize it until I, the game was over. And Man. when I went back in the stands and watched and saw these guys perform on the field, whether it was college or in the NFL, that's when I stepped back and I said, wow, that's how people viewed us. That's how people looked at me. That's what they saw. Because, you know, in the, in, in, in the, in, in the United States today, uh, people look at sports as their God. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and so, but today I realized that platform that I have, have most important, I realized who I am in Christ today. But back then, I had no clue, Bryce. I didn't know who Tim Worley was. Yeah. And Tim Worley thought that – I thought that my only identity was wrapped up in the sports. I thought that who I, that's who I was, that that's not who I was. It's what I did. Yep. And today, at age 50, I know exactly who I am in Christ. Mm. And, and I can say today, Bryce – I don't look in the past, but God has reached back and he's pulled my athletic platform forward. And here's what he's doing with the athletic platform today. You're not going to get Tim Worley, the football player. You're going to get Tim Worley, the humble man of God. Mm. Okay. The humble man of God that went to hell and made it back by the grace of God. God gave me another opportunity and that sports, that athletic platform that he's given me today, I'm going to use it to glorify his name. I don't want the glory. He gets all the glory, glorify his name, tell people about Jesus, tell people my story. It is not so much what happened this time. I'm telling them how I got out. That's right. That's right. Mm, uh, that's important. That's right. Yes, we're, sir. We're, we're, we're getting it going. We're getting it going with Tim Worley. And, <laughs> and so your, your career is, ends up being maybe shorter than you would have hoped uh, from 1989 to 1994. Never took off maybe the, the, the way that at least the Steelers expected it to. And, and so you're, you're, you're wrestling with your identity and, and you're, you're getting caught up in, in the off the field. So, so what does that look like toward the end of your career and then following your career now that football was out of the picture? Okay. Um, first of all, um, things are not going well. Had an outstanding rookie year, led the team in rushing 
and uh, a lot of ex- big expectations from me. Uh, it was a little bit difficult in the beginning because I missed all the training camp and the first three games of the Steelers, we lose, and all of a sudden we made a, a comeback. That season was incredible. People still talk about that 89 season because we was one game away from going to the Super Bowl mm. and uh, one, one or two games away from the Super Bowl, but nobody thought we, they would be, we would make it. But around this time, that pressure, I had already started experimenting with, with different things, yeah. you know, uh, experimenting with drugs. Yep. You know, I tried cocaine. Uh, uh, when I was in college and uh, I started experimenting with alcohol. I didn't drink for the first time until I got to the University of Georgia. Okay. And yeah. that was in my sophomore season. Mm. And the alcohol became a gateway. When I blew my knee out in 1986, I started to use alcohol more for comfort. Ah. And all of a sudden I got offered drugs and I took it. And I had no idea, Bryce, the destructive path cocaine was about to send my life on. And so I was able to just, you know, I'm young and, Every once, in a while, every once in a while, use it at parties, hang out with people. But it became a comfort thing for me that every time I went out in the city and just to have a good time, I'm using drugs. Gosh. And all of a sudden, it catches up with me. Yep. It catches up with me. I'm starting to get hurt. I get a DUI. All of a sudden, I fail a drug test. You know, now it's in the public. Everybody knows. I get suspended for four games. And all of a sudden, I'm just saying, I'm telling myself it's not a sin until you get caught. It's not a crime until you get caught, right? Ooh. But I, didn't never, I never thought I had a problem. Mm. But all of a sudden, I know, I'm starting to see myself knowing that I had a drug test scheduled the next day, and I'm using cocaine the night before thinking I could beat the test. Guess what? Get suspended for six games now. And then finally, Bryce, now here's the, here's, the, here's the kicker right here. Yeah. I was waiting for this to happen. In 1992, when, when Chuck Noll decided to retire after the 91 season, they brought in coach Bill Cower. Oh, yeah. Love him, too. Yep. And Bill Cower, I'm the first Steeler that he brought and in, called into his office to talk to. Cause, and he told me this. He said, Tim, I understand your problem. You know, I've watched you since high school. I watched you at the University of Georgia. I know your style. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you eight yards deep. We're going to surround the offense around you, and we're going to give it to you 40 times a game. And you know what I did, Bryce? I jumped for joy. But you know what? The young boy in me, and not the king in me, the young boy in me Mm. went out and sabotaged it that same night. And I failed the drug test the the next couple of days, and that suspended me for an entire year. And so I sabotaged it. And Barry Foster was able to step in and take over and had a dynamite season in the 92 season. And where was I? I was in rehab in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, my gosh. That's when I began to realize, okay, I got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Tim Tim Worley, our guest right now on Unpacking It, former NFL running back and now is a a speaker traveling the country and encouraging athletes and, and organizations and and is now a, a follower of Jesus. But but in, in the, the midst of this story right now, realizing you, you have a problem and then how many more years did you wrestle with the, 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 the drug addiction and then ultimately hitting rock bottom to where God met you right where you were. Okay. You're talking about from 1991, 92, I wrestled him. I had spurts of time where I was clean, you know, a year or two years or six months, you know, just sporadically, you know, yeah. but 
I wrestled with this thing, Bryce, for almost over 20 years. And the final, the finale for me was in 2008. Okay. And we're talking about almost 10 years ago. Yep. Almost 10 years ago. 2008 was when it all came to a head for me. And um, one of the things that I do, I actually show that video where I was tased and arrested and thrown in jail in Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. And whenever I speak to, to different groups, I'll show that video. And uh, people always ask me, why do you show that video? Aren't you embarrassed? No, I'm not embarrassed. You know why? Because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. And, and, I don't, and the reason I show it because I don't live that way no more. And I want people to see the power of God. That's right. That's okay? right. Yep. Because, yes, sir. And that night, April 13, 2008, God radically changed my life after I was tased and arrested and thrown in jail. I got out on my knees in a jail cell all by myself. And I repented, and I asked the Lord to restore me. Glory wow. to God. Amen. I asked him to restore me. And ever since that day, uh, Brother Bryce, God has radically changed my life. Mm. And God, I spent 23 days in jail. Oh. 23 days. And I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I am not going to walk out that jail cell until you open up the door. And on the 23rd day, former teammate and friend of mine and brother in Christ, Troy Sadowski, big tight end that played at Georgia, played mm. in the league for 12 years. And a guy named Randy Richardson, which is a assistant pastor at First Baptist Woodstock in, in uh, Woodstock, Georgia, and Pastor Johnny Hunt. These guys yeah. came, and they offered me an opportunity. And I tell you, Brother Bryce, I haven't looked back since. Oh, amen. Glory to God. I, I, Glory I, to God. I love it. Well, so, okay, so you, you, you hit rock bottom, you surrender, and, and you, you, you begin to follow Jesus and so how, how has your life been transformed the, these last few years? And, and, and what has it, it meant to you to follow Jesus? And, and how has this you know, practically played out in your life? Well, what has it meant to me? I'm going to tell you right this. I won't let nothing come between my walk with Christ. Absolutely nothing. And if anything tries to come between that, don't matter what it is, it's an enemy. Ah, it's good. Okay. It's good. And, and, and you, you, you couldn't give me all the money in the world for me to turn my back on my Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. See, he's not only my, my savior, he's my Lord. He's my Lord because I obey him when he tells me what to do. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yes, sir. He's Amen. my Lord. I can call him that. And so with that, I've been walking with him since then. You know, I haven't been perfect, no, but I've no. been faithful. Yep. And, and, and here's where I want the men to understand and people to understand this wall. People believe that once you commit your life to Christ, that all your problems are gone. Mm. No, no. Uh, you, Bryce, you might agree with me that mo a lot of times when you commit your life to Christ, that's when all hell breaks loose against you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> because, yeah. because the enemy don't want to turn you loose. But you know what? Here's where the process begins. There are times when God can, God can, he'll do it all the time. He'll snatch you up out of stuff, the grace and the mercy of God. But then when we get in the middle of things, there's that process. And this is where people fade away during the process. They mm. refuse to embrace the journey, but I embrace the journey. And it's like Peter said, and when Jesus asked us, do y'all want to leave me too? Peter said, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Ah. He right. said, we know you as the Christ. And every time I think of that scripture, it makes me emotional because I had reached my last and I had nowhere to go. Mm. And God said, he reached down, he stooped down very low in a jail cell and gave me a hand and lift me up and mm. said, follow me. 
Mm. And ever since that, I've been following him. And in the process of working things out, grinding things out, healing and restoring and forgiving and learning to forgive and healing my heart, all of a sudden, Brother Bryce, we discovered things that God, that we didn't even know we had in us. Ah, I discovered that God had a calling on my life. I knew it, my spirit knew, but my mind was so out of whack until it was renewed, my mind was going to talk, talk me out of everything that my spirit was telling me. Now that my mind is renewed, guess what? God has called me to preach the gospel. God has called me to speak. I don't care what type of venue it is. He's called me to do these things that he had already put on the inside of me. Mm. And you know what? I'm not afraid. I used to be afraid to grab a microphone and speak in front of people. Now it's my passion. <laughs> oh, I love it. I Isn't love he perfect? It. Amen. <laughs> oh, what what a story. What, and you can just you can hear the transformation and and the passion and the 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 genuine love for Christ. And so that, that's what that's what comes through today and I'm I'm so encouraged by that. And and I guess maybe just to, in conclusion, what's maybe the the, the one message that, that you feel God has called you, Tim Worley, to, to really share with people when, when it's all kind of summed up that, that you want people to, that are listening to this interview today to, to really take hold of? Well, um, for a long time, Bryce, uh, even, even when I was still straddling the fence, that's what we call it. You know, I've been speaking for over 15 years, just doing different things with different organizations like FCA, Youth Sports, and different churches. Yeah. And uh, I've had I've had my hands in the youth youth ministries for a long time, and I've still got my hands in it. But there's a, I have a mandate on my life. And once I was, uh, you know, I was certified by John Maxwell in 2015. And after that certification, God clearly spoke to me that I have an assignment. And that assignment and that mandate on my life is toward men, to let men understand who they are in Christ and, and what in the position that they hold as priests of their homes. And God has mandated me to teach and instruct men, you know, to, to understand that you are providers, protectors, and leaders, okay? First in your homes, then your communities, and then in the world. Mm. And, and number one, I believe that God gave me this mandate because he, he, I failed, Mm. Right. Mm. I failed at being a man. I failed at being a professional. I failed at being a father. I failed at being a, 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 a son. I failed at being a lot of things. And through my failures, Jesus stooped very low and lift me up. And he's using the one that, that some people gave up on. Everybody didn't give up on me because it's the prayers that, that, that kept me here. Yeah, yeah. And he's using the one that didn't like himself, that didn't know himself, that failed and was afraid. Now he's using that same one to glorify his name. And he's using it to lift up men, Mm. men all over this world. Know who you are in Christ. And if they knew who they were in Christ, they wouldn't put up with some of the things we put up with today. That's good. Oh, that's strong. That's strong. Well, let, let's, uh, man, I hate to end it there, but, but we need to for, for time constraints, but man, enjoyed you, you sharing your story and, and just am so thankful for what God is doing through you and in you. And, and thanks for sharing that with us today on unpacking it. Thank you, Bryce. I appreciate it. Love you, brother. All right. Love you too, Tim. There's Tim Worley right. joining us here on unpacking it. Wow. What a powerful story. And, and what stood out to me though, unfortunately, is the reality that the early part to his story is all too common in the world of sports. 
where guys get drafted in the first round, whether it's even in the second round for that matter, and they get all this money, they get all this pressure, all the attention, and and it's just this this tragic story over and over where guys can't handle it. It's just too much. They're not equipped to handle such a life change to to go from you're playing sports, you're playing in college and and high school and and you you know you're playing maybe for a scholarship and a little money here and there and then to get a check for a million dollars and that was back you know late 80s early 90s and think about the the type of money that top draft picks are getting today especially the guaranteed money it's it's generational money it's life-changing money and unfortunately it's not always life-changing for the positive and and we've you know we you can look across any sport and and different types of guys and and even regardless of their background uh many times it, it's 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 the story of they either lose all their money, they waste it on on silly stuff, or or they go down that path of drugs and alcohol. And it's easy for us as sports fans to, to even hear Tim's story or, or think about these other stories and go, oh, here we go again. Here it is, another one. But what makes this story with Tim Worley so important to hear is the redemption side of it, that when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, life can then really change for the better. And you, and you can find your identity, you can find your peace, you can find your joy. You don't have to, to continue to chase all that you were chasing to try to fill the void or, like Tim was talking about, that self-sabotage where you almost don't even want to live up to the hype. And, and, and maybe you don't even realize what you're doing, but, but you're throwing it all away. And, and so when we hear these athletes and it's easy for us as fans to be jealous of the million dollars or to think, Oh, come on. If I had a million dollars or $10 million, I'd be, I'd be so much better with it. We, we just don't know in being in those shoes and, and in that situation, especially from the way they grew up to then all of a sudden being in that situation, it, it's unique. It really is. And so until you get there, I don't think you know how to handle it. And, and so I'm encouraged today to hear what God has done in Tim's life and know that it's possible for, for each of us, uh, w- w- wherever we're at in that journey, to, to see the, the transformation. And, and so, man, I, I was encouraged by it. Hope you were as well. And we also have a video on our website uh, of Tim Worley speaking. He was a part of a, an event that we did back in February uh, of 2017. We call it the Super Saturday Man Breakfast in Charlotte. And and so he he shared his story there as well, um, but was glad to get him back on on the podcast as as well as our our weekly radio show uh, that he joined us for. So thanks for listening today. Have a wonderful week, and and make sure you you sign up for the the email devotional or go into iTunes and listen to the audio version of Unpack This as well. So thanks for the support. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. <laughs>